Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Engler. I am here with uh, my intelligent, illustrious co-host, uh, Aaron Mercer. He's the communications director at Browncroft. I'm also here with our producer, our flexible and uh, smart producer, Nathan Yoder. Today, uh, this is a very personal day for me. Uh, I love when I can have uh, one of my friends on. We have Janu Thomas, who is the CEO and founder of Rethink uh, Creative, uh, and he's got quite a story. But the question that we're talking about and why I invited him on is, why do I have to wait on my dreams? Um, I think when you're in your 20s and even in your 30s, you know, you might land at your dream. You might have to wait on it. You might even have to give it up. And I think Janu's story is really going to speak to you today. Aaron, what do you think about that question? I think it's a great question. I think it's a it's a question a number of people are thinking about often, uh, and I'm really ex- looking forward to this conversation. Janu, I'm I'm not a high schooler anymore. So I met Janu in <laughs> in Binghamton, New York. Uh, we went to church. He was one of my youth leaders, and uh, so you get to hear the rest of his story. But Janu, why don't you um you why don't you introduce yourself? Um, you know, you were from. Yeah. Uh, you grew up in India as par- uh, your parents were missionaries. And so why don't you kind of start there and just share a little bit of your story? Man, uh, first of all, what an honor, Pete. Um, you were a little kid <laughs> when we were running around in that youth on the fifth floor. I still remember the name. Uh, so it's an honor to be here. Um, you know, I've listened to your podcast and I've kept wondering, Pete, like, why, why me? Uh, <laughs> so you have amazing guests. It's an honor. Um, yeah, let me uh, take a couple of steps back uh, on my story. I was born and brought up in Calcutta, India. Um, my dad was a part-time missionary and a, a part-time accountant. And, you know, he faithfully led a church. He was a church planter. He led a church of 25 Hindu converts um, for 25 years. Um, and he was just faithful, you know. I saw through my dad's eyes, when you know we're talking about dreams today, I kind of saw it through his eyes what it meant to have a long-standing dream and a calling uh, in his mm-hmm. life. Uh, and even as a little kid, just growing up, um, you know, I was uh, surrounded by poverty. Uh, it shaped a little of um, who I would become. For 17 years, I was there. Uh, after that, I got this amazing opportunity to come to New York City. Uh, little did I know, this was a part of God's setup, uh, as he does with a lot of dreams. Uh, I ended up at the back of a nursing home washing dishes for three years, and I felt, you know, all my dreams were lost. Um, those were critical years because I think God was definitely drawing my heart back to him because it was in the middle of this three-year period uh, as I was washing dishes that uh, I gave my life to the Lord. Uh, and the way I gave my life to the Lord was just me remembering my dad talk about young dreamers in the Bible. You know, we have uh, so many dreamers in the Bible that had this journey and they trusted God. And it drew me back uh, to my knees and I kind of gave my life uh, to the Lord. Um, and here's the thing, I look back even now at those uh, three years that kind of impacted my life significantly. And man, that was preparation ground for me, uh, for what was going to unfold in my life. And, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, listeners here, you know, as we're talking about dreams, they have dreams as well. You know, I just want to start out by saying, you know, uh, don't despise small beginnings. Um, you know, as as God is a, a dream lobbyer. You know, he gives dreams to people from heaven. And if God has put you in a season where God has a dream in your heart um, and you're going through the waiting period, um, I just wanted to encourage anyone that's listening today. Man, lean in. Um, God knows what he's doing in your uh, life. He's in control. Um just leaning into this season, this preparation ground, this place that she has you on. Hmm. That's that's a great introduction there. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I want to hear more about Peter Englert as uh, running around at the on the fifth floor. Uh, that, that sounds <laughs> right. Sounds Pete, should I spill all the secrets? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that now that you know we're we're recording here, I think this is a great time to get all those out. But um, and I'm sure there's a number of listeners who'd be curious too. Uh, but. Uh, 
I'm, I am also curious, you know, you, you talking about how you're, you have your dreams and you're moving forward with your dreams. Did you have just one dream you were chasing? Um, how did you refine the dream that you were chasing to get to, uh, to, to take the next step from, from, you know, the story that you've told us so far? Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think, Pete, when we originally talked about this topic, dreams, for me, uh, I just felt like there was like four seasons that kind of unfolded in my life. Um, it's odd. I look back and I see these seasons. And, you know, each season, I felt like God was uh, leading me uh, through a dream, uh, through what I call, and I think we'll talk about this a little more, but what I call a calling. Um, you know, from those days when I was washing dishes, if I can pick that up, you know, I went through a phase of like 11 years of God's blessings in my life. You know, I uh, uh, met a beautiful girl, fell in love with her, uh, finished my bachelor's, master's, MBA, got planted into the corporate world till I was like 30 years old, you know. And God started kind of unfolding kind of like the second phase of what he was going to call me to. Um, you know, he kind of, um, he usually works this way with dreams. Um, he creates this holy unrest in you. And he uses that unrest to kind of propel you into that dream that God has called and designed you for. Um, and that dream, when I was around 30 years old, now this dates me, um, uh, is, uh, was called uh, Collide. It was this ministry that we started. Um, so to answer your question, and I think I'm going all over the place, Aaron, um, but to answer your question, I feel when I look back at my life that God has worked through seasons and through those seasons, he has given, you know, not just one dream, but really kind of walking through this journey of dreams uh, that I see that God kind of unfolded in my life. You know, uh, oh, go ahead. Can I just follow up on that real sure. quick? Yeah. So what uh, do you feel like in those different seasons were there different dreams that were were dominant for you different dreams you mentioned the word calling too but were there different dreams different callings that were um did you have competing dreams was there one in particular for each season what how did that how did you see that play out in your in your own experience man you you're talking to an enneagram 87 i am dream <laughs> dream dreamers dream all <laughs> dreams i have a notebook full of dreams you know and typically that's how it works right like we have not just like one clear voice from the Lord saying, Jinu, I want you to go start a ministry, you know? God um, usually works, at least in my life, uh, because I am an entrepreneur, born entrepreneur by nature. There's a lot of dreams, and kind of the, the wedding process for that dream is me sitting down in my prayer closet and just praying, you know, and asking God, God, is this what you're calling me to? Uh, collide, I kind of mentioned the second phase of my life, that dream, um, you know, uh, that dream came to fruition, or at least God confirmed for me in my prayer closet. It was a five-day fast in prayer, and, uh, you know, that I sat down and just like uh, knelt my knees and dug my heel uh, in and said, God, um, why did you take a little kid from Calcutta, India and bring me here? And everything seems good at this stage. What are you trying to do in my life? And uh, it was during that five-day fast and prayer that God kind of confirmed by giving me this one statement that kind of became the vision statement of Collide for like 14 years. Create, an, uh, create a meeting place where belief and unbelief collides in a perfect collision. I think, you know, as dreamers, uh, I think, and especially if you're Enneagram 8 and 7, <laughs> Yeah, you're going to have a lot of dreams. Uh, like every day I come up with dreams. Um, you know, my team here today <laughs> tells me like, you all, you have all these ideas. And, you know, um, it's definitely uh, on us to take some of those uh, dreams and desires that God is giving us and kind of, you know, give it back into God's hands and ask him, God, what do you want to do with this dream? And I have found that uh, the way God um, brings a core dream or calling to life in a season in my life is it's kind of like, you know, he drums it up a little. Things around me start speaking to me as well. And this unrest in my heart kind of speaks as well. So he kind of leads 
me uh, in some ways. And as I kneel down, he kind of confirms that over over a period of time. And you know, I don't I don't want to minimize the time factor, which you know we should talk about because the waiting period is where God does some of His best work. Um, but it's during those moments when I brought it to the Lord, like He confirms it again and again. Um, and lines up other things around the dream as well. So I don't know whether I answered your question, Aaron, but it was all around uh, <laughs> just talking about um, the dream factor. Yes. No, I I think you answered it really well. And I, I I guess I guess as I'm listening, I think it's important to hear the rest of your story. But I I just want to kind of pause here. You know, some of our listeners like this is kind of their last. You know, you talked about Collide being where unbelief and belief meet each other. And this podcast is kind of their last connection to Christianity, whether they're de-churched or they're unchurched. And I think if I was to talk to some of our listeners, they'd say, you know, God doesn't want me to dream or the church doesn't want me to dream. You know, they just want me to be boring and do whatever I want to do. Like, you know, just read my Bible and pray and then we meet you that's just like it's almost like i don't know how you can be a follower of jesus and not dream so i guess kind of where where we are in your story right now how would you respond to a person that says you know following jesus like it's all about killing your dreams it's all about like no fun and god's gonna call you to do something terrible i don't know what what's your kind of understanding how would you talk to that person yeah, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, Pete. That's something that I personally struggled with as well. You know, like we hear it from the church, right? Everybody has a purpose. And then you're like, for the longest time, you're thinking like, what is my purpose? I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I just want to take a couple of steps back, at least for me. Uh, I found very important when um, I think I heard a preacher talk about this once. Um, the difference between purpose and calling um, or dream that becomes a, call a calling. Purpose is, you know, in some ways very general. I feel like when, when a preacher stands and says, God has a purpose for your life, I think the whole creation has a purpose. And that purpose is wrapped up uh, into serving others and glorifying God. That's everybody. Uh, I think everybody that was created from the creator has that purpose in them that they should serve others and glorify God. But when I think about dreams that lead to kind of the calling, I feel like the calling is something that is very unique to you, your gifts, your talents, the make, the hardwired nature of who God created you to be, just like your fingerprint, and we know this, is very unique to just you. I think mm. God does have something that he has prepared and created you for. Now, this might sound like the weirdest analogy, and maybe it's because it's lunchtime that we are doing this podcast that I'm thinking of this. But when I look at the kitchen and the kitchen utensils, right? Uh, when you look at the utensils in the kitchen, all of those utensils were created with one purpose. This might sound so funny on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again uh, anyway. <laughs> um, all the utensils were created with one purpose. It is to serve and cook food. But here's the thing. The spoon is very different from the fork. The fork is very different from the knife. And so the way I separate out purpose and calling, at least in my complicated head, Pete, is... Uh, using this analogy of spoons and forks is like God does have a purpose for you. He created you in his image and that purpose is for you to serve others and glorify God. But can I be really honest in pulling you back and saying that, hey, it's beyond the purpose. God has created you with a unique calling, a purpose that was only uh, a calling that was only defined for you that is based on your unique talents, your gifts, the makeup of who you are. And I do think, and I do believe, at least I do, that I am meant to walk that path to discover that calling in my life because God has a purpose and a calling that is tied together for you to impact the world. When it comes together is when you start impacting lives and people around you. Mm. 
Wow. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, <laughs> you're, you're hitting on the idea that we're we're designed. We're God's handiwork. Uh, Ephesians Amen. two ten. Uh, with good works prepared in advance for us. I think that's 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 super powerful. I imagine there's a lot of people uh, who may be listening, who are thinking, okay, that sounds great, but I don't feel like I have. Maybe some people don't feel like they have a purpose. I don't feel like I have a specific calling. How do how would I even go about finding that? I mean, what is your recommendation on that? How would you even take a first step on that? You know, um, one of the ways I found that these callings started manifesting itself to me is, you know, very practically to start thinking like, what am I good at? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Enneagram has become super famous. Uh, now everybody uses it. Now, you know, um, I would say the practical nature of Peter's who still you trying are. to get me to do it. <laughs> Peter keeps telling me right. I need to take that test, but I haven't done we it. We could yet. have I'm a whole meeting on Enneagram <laughs> <laughs> and how it has challenged us to scarred us, whatever we want to call that, right? That's right. Uh, but I do think the practical nature of who you are kind of leads you into that calling or dream. I don't think it's really contrary to what God has called or made. You know, if if I'm a person that loves to draw, you know, and I, you know, we'll talk about rethink and our graphic design. As a young kid, Elliot was always probably drawing on a piece of paper. Now, I would say that you know, in some ways, the makeup of who you are and what he has put in you is probably going to be this breadcrumbs that he's leaving that leads you to your calling. But I would say that's just the beginning. Um, I would say mm-hmm. to to see how God wants to use you to impact the world, you have to go back to the source. You have to go back to your creator and ask him like, God, I, you have given me some, some of these talents, some of these gifts. How do I, how do I, you know, use it to glorify you and change the world? Like, what can I do? And I think there's an opportunity there and, and a growing, um, you know, um, voice inside of you that keeps calling you back to those knees and ask God, like, what am I, you know, um, what am I called to do? That, that, that process, you know, I often say this to my team that God is more interested in the process of who you're becoming than the product of your calling. So it's not just about the calling or getting there. God is actually more interested as a heavenly father on who you're becoming as a person. So even the dream, I know this sounds really contrary to everything I just said, but even the dream is not the pursuit. Mm -hmm. The pursuit is Jesus. So the process of who you're becoming is more important than just the product of your calling. Yeah, God Mm -hmm. uses that in, you know, I always, you know, as a dad, and, and Pete, you know this, as a, you know, Aaron, you too probably, but as a dad, you know, when my kid comes up to me, you know, you know my son Joshua loves to draw. Um, he comes and brings me this picture of something he drew, and, you know, I hope he never listens to this podcast, but uh, I'm going to say something very bold here. Um, when he shows me what he, you know, drew on this piece of paper, can I be honest with you? I look at it, and I'm like, what is that, first of all? <laughs> And then as he tells me, I said, Joshua, tell me the story of what you just drew. And he tells me this elaborate story. Can I be honest with you? My eyes is not on the drawing. My eyes is on my son. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, God is not extremely interested in what you can do with your hands. He's after your heart. Mm. And sometimes when I come to God, I feel like a little kid and just recognizing that as I'm telling dad I have this dream I have this thing that I did and all this stuff you know I sometimes think about um, my son and my engagement with him and say you know God's eyes is probably on me rather than like what I'm showing with my hands he's probably like thinking about who I'm becoming in the process so I, I don't know whether that goes contrary to everything that we were just talking about with dreams but I think even the dreams are not the pursuit. I think it is really him that becomes the pursuit um, as we are chasing after our dreams, quote unquote. 
you know, I think that that's just so powerful. And, you know, I guess I see what you just said working out in your life because, you know, when I think about Collide, you know, Janu, you're like one of those people that like all of a sudden, like you get news and like, oh, Janu just started a conference. Like, oh, oh, Janu just started a company. And like, it's like this huge thing to other people. But for you, it's like, oh, yeah, that's not a surprise. So, but, you know, you've had times in your life where, you know, I think there's a disappointment in, you know, not seeing your dream come true. But I also think that there's even a bigger disappointment when your dream comes true. And maybe you realize it's not maybe as great or it's not as fulfilling. So, you know, in kind of hearing you talk about pursuing Jesus, being like Joshua, your son, you started Collide and kind of walk us through because, I mean, here you are leading a company and, you know, it's not like your life has been this, you know, beautiful bed of roses. Like it's been really hard. So talk about your calling and dreams and how that's kind of connected you back to God, even where you are right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess Pete, um, it'll bring me back to the story of my son, Joshua, who I just talked about. Um, you know, I think it's C.S. Lewis that I believe that quoted this, that he said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts to us in our pain. And it was truly uh, a journey. Collide was truly a journey of, in some ways, uh, God emptied me out. And let me tell you the story of Joshua, my son. You know, my wife Anne and I were trying to have kids for a long time and finally found out Anne was, you know, pregnant. And this was two years after I launched Collide um, that we go for our 20th week anatomy scan in April, on April 26, 2013, I can't forget that day. Um, it felt like that day is when kind of dark clouds kind of surrounded us. Um, that day we found out that our son, Joshua, um, would be born with half the heart. And it's called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And, you know, only 10, 20% of these kids in America make it, and 100% doesn't make it outside of our country. There's specialized centers here. Um, you know, and Joshua went through three open heart surgeries and like nine interventions. And it's, it's when we talk about dreams and calling and, you know, I, I look back at the journey and I can, I can clearly see that there was a part of me that um, God had to do a lot of work on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, for a lot of us, Pain becomes that teacher. Suffering, you know, um, becomes that teacher. Uh, And when I look back at Joshua's journey, and he's eight years old, and he's doing well now. He's still in a heart baby, but he's still doing well. But I look back at that journey, and, you know, I always recognize that God used um, that time uh, when our hearts were kind of broken into a million pieces to run after him again. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used that uh, struggle and that pain to really um, empty me in some ways to make sure that my pursuit was Christ, you know. Um, and sometimes dreams can do that. You know, when, when we start focusing on the dream and start doing things, you might some, sometimes forget what's the most important thing. But Joshua's journey definitely grounded us um, and kind of, you know, I always tell Collide's story and what has happened over the 14 years and leading 16 events and impacting 5,000 leaders. I always tell the stories like the five loaves and two fishes. Um, I always tell my team here now at Rethink Creative that, hey, um, if that little kid had only two loaves and half a fish, would it impact the miracle? And the, the truth of that story is, Probably not. And I think sometimes we are so focused on what we have in our hand or what's happening. And the truth is that God, whatever you have, if you bring it to God, God can do the rest. Um, And Collide and my journey over that 14 years was exactly that. You know, I just bought what I had in my hand and said, God, I give you whatever I have. Can you touch it? Mm. And the beauty about that is um, Jesus 
can use whatever you have in your hand to feed the 5,000. Uh, he can do the rest of the miracle. So, you know, to many dreamers that are listening to this, you know, you're probably in this sometimes waiting period when the dream is being incubated inside of you. Uh, just realize that God is doing a bigger work in your heart. Um, he's after you and you just need to bring what you have in his hands and see what he can do with it. Um, so yeah, that for sure was a journey where, um, God definitely brought me and my wife and, um, into a greater relationship with him. And I think he used pain and suffering to bring us face to face with him through that journey. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's powerful uh it's an important part of your story i'm so i mean I, I i can only imagine uh the emotions through that time um and you know i think you're right i think the lord uses times like that to shake us and get our attention and maybe re-steer us also how how do you you know getting to that steer maybe this is taking it back a little further too but getting to that steering idea like how you mentioned you have a whole bunch of dreams in your notebook <laughs> how do you discern yes. which one you're supposed to be chasing which one is the one the lord has put front and center on your heart uh you know even in that difficult time how was that how did that time affect what dreams you were going to chase uh, and then uh, as a follow-up to that question too is you know at what point is it is it time to pass the reins on that dream and move on to whatever is next on your notebook. You know, you've got the notebook full of them. Which right. one do you go for when? <laughs> you know, I would say um, one of the most practical ways that God kind of works through a dream is to take one step at a time and see if something is coming to life. And I think, um, you know, I always, um, whenever I get to talk to a bunch of dreamers, says, you know, I use this phrase, I say, uh, fail small. Mm. And what I'm really saying there is that if you want your dreams to come to life, then failure should be a part of that craft or dream that you're going after. Because uh, God uses that um, to build character inside of you. Um, so I would say, you know, um, one of the ways I know the dream is not working is I try a lot and it keeps failing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I feel, you know, um, it's a part of the process. You know, every dream is a journey. And I think in that journey, it is very critical for us to uh, recognize that you have to take a step into the right direction, very practically speaking. And on, there's a lot of dreamers that are sitting and waiting for things to happen. Can I be so bold to challenge you? Um, take a step of faith, see what happens, you know, to hone in on your craft or your dream. God is going to use a lot of failure to shape it. Um, and I think that's a practical part of dreams that, you know, um, this is an odd thing that happened yesterday. And let me just share it. Pete, you might cut this out from the podcast, but uh, yesterday I was taking a flight late you know, night you from know that, Florida. <laughs> you know, every time someone says that, we end up keeping it. So anyways, you were in Florida. <laughs> you no, know, I was I was on, on the plane coming back in Florida and I picked up this magazine. I was like, you know, I tried to sleep and I couldn't fall asleep. And I picked up this magazine and the magazine was an article, ironically, about um, the metamorphosis process. And it talked about the four stages egg, larva, pupa, and adult. And what I found really fascinating, and we all know the, the story there about metamorphosis. I think in the Christian church, we talk about that a lot. Um, you know, the egg to larva, which is the caterpillar that is, you know, squirming around on leaves eating, to a pupa, which, you know, the caterpillar goes through the transformation process. Here's, here's what they talk, talked about that I thought was fascinating that 75% of the journey in terms of time for an egg to become a beautiful butterfly is spent in the pupa stage. Mm -hmm. It's basically a dormant stage. But here's what the beautiful part about that is and why I'm talking about that today on this podcast is that pupa stage in a dream setting 
is the waiting period. And here's the amazing part about the transformation process that a lot is happening inside of the pupa. You know, the, the growth that's happening for the caterpillar to become a butterfly usually happens in that stage. You know, we're talking about dreams. Let me tie it back. You know, God uses waiting periods in our dreams to bring things to life that you sometimes cannot see. It might stay dormant for some time. You might be coming back to God and praying and asking him to bring things to life. You're trying things and things are not work working. I just want to encourage us that, hey, just like that journey, 75% of what usually happens, and can I be honest, collides 14 years, there was these success points that everybody sees, but every story has a backstory. Mm. And that 75% is where God does his best work. And that best work is probably has a whole lot to do with you as a person, that God is transforming who you are becoming in that process. So that was the strangest story that somebody probably said on this podcast, but I just wanted to mention that that just happened yesterday night. I just instantly thought about our conversation this morning and said, oh my gosh, that is so true. Every dream has an incubation period. Every dream has a waiting period. And God is doing his best work during those times. Man, I, I think as a pastor, I'm going to have to steal all these illustrations. Like the kitchen one just made so much sense. It was so clear. And this one, you know, you just took something that we all knew and connected it. So so here, here's where I want to kind of come. So you did collide for 14 years. In a, it's a conference. It had who's who of... Christianity, I think, you know, no matter where our listeners are faith-wise, that sounds like something pretty fun to do. Um, so I guess where I want to transition is, you know, was Rethink always the, you know, the company that you started, was it always in the back of your head or was it, you know, you did Clyde and it was just a natural set. And then, so I, I guess I want to hear that transition. But my my other question is, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that would be like, I want to start my own company. I want to do, you know, I want to start my own organization. And I guess I'd be looking for one thing that you'd say, I wish someone would have told me before I started. So, yeah. So, so let me start with Rethink. It's fascinating that you asked me about Rethink. Um, you know, any, anytime. So Rethink is a creative agency that helps organizations with strategy, branding, web design, events. Um, you know, we are... We are a creative and branding studio that helps churches. 95% of our work is with nonprofits and churches. But anytime an employee joins inside of Rethink, and we've only been in existence truly, um, and you'll see why I say that, uh, four and a half years. Uh, that, you know. Um, but the question is, how did the inception of Rethink happen? And I can tell that story really well because I tell that story to every employee during the onboarding that happens here. Rethink started on September 13th, 2013, and it's a very critical day. It was my son Joshua was born on September 12th. Now remember, Collide is already going on the other side. And I, um, you know, um, as Joshua was born the first day, he was whisked away, and the next day he had an 18-hour open-heart surgery. And can I be honest with you on this podcast? I was a mess. I was mm. broken. I was asking God why. Just like this podcast name, Why God Why? Yeah. I was, a, uh, you know, um, a huge mess in my heart. And I was crying and saying, God, God, why did you touch my son? Why did you do this to us? Um, during that process, when Joshua was 18, 18 hours in the surgery, the first open heart surgery, I sat down at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia where there's this huge glass um, walkway. And I sat there for hours just crying. And then I took a pen and paper and wrote down what became a blog in 10 days called Rethink Everything. Mm. And that was the inception, believe it or not, of Rethink Creative. 
we actually have that inside our onboarding uh, and that blog and exact words that I wrote that day is all there. I feel like God does his best work when we are paying attention to what he is doing. That calling, that dream has something to do with you and your journey. More than you trying to conjure up things, you know, like, can I start a company that does this? Or can I start, you know, uh, something that will do something and make a lot of money or something, some impact or a nonprofit? I think God really um, uses our journey and what we are going through to start dreams and callings that are meant to be there to impact life. Again, rethink is not my pursuit. It's Jesus. He can take mm. Rethink or Kaliah, any of those pieces away. I think it's critical for us to understand that that dream is held with an open hand. It is to, it is to impact something for God. Um, I don't know whether I answered your question, Pete, but I do want to answer what would I say to a, a dreamer um, um, that, um, what would I say to a dreamer that is uh, dreaming about doing something or waiting on the heels? Uh, and here's what I would say. I think this is Craig Groeschel that actually said it. He said, the path to your greatest potential, the path to your greatest potential is oftentimes through your greatest fears. Mm-hmm. The path to your greatest potential is oftentimes through your greatest fears. If I can talk about fears, there's a lot of dreamers that are sitting on the sidelines because of fear that has kept you captive. And I want to encourage all the dreamers that are listening in today, man, take a step of faith. Take a step of faith because God is going to use those moments, that the unknown moments to bring himself face to face with you. That fear has kept us on the sidelines for quite, quite a while. And I'm going to be speaking to somebody that God has been speaking again and again to do something, you know, launch a nonprofit, uh, jump, jump and start a company. Uh, and fear has kept you captive. And I just want to encourage you, oh dreamer, take a step of faith today. God can meet you. God uses those fears to do something greater in your heart. Take a step of faith today. Mm. Have you have you uh, ever had to take one of your dreams and then, you know, submit it to a different? So let me, you know, when you when you had your child, obviously that changes your situation. Before that, when you you know got married, that changes your situation. Um, probably there were other ele- parts along the way. Uh, how do you, how do you adjust your dream? How do you have, have you had to kind of, um, yield your dream or for a time, you know, how do how do you handle life changes and how they have affected your dreams during different seasons? Man, this is going to be very interesting. Cause I'm going to talk about what collide was before it became a conference. By the way, you get bonus, you get bonus <laughs> points. If you tie in a story about Peter at some point, Stop. <laughs> uh, It is, in some ways, a constant evolution of what's happening. You know, when God gave me that one line, create a meeting place where belief and unbelief collides in a perfect collision. For the first four years, I really thought, are you ready for this? I really thought it was meant to be a cafe. (laughs) Wow. And I worked really hard on something called the Veritas Cafe for two years. And so all that to say that I did not know that God was trying to rally his church to come together so that we can become better leaders to impact the world. I thought it was a physical meeting place. So all that to say, Aaron, it is a journey. Every dream is a journey. And there is failures. There is, um, you know, things that you leave behind. It's a part of the process. And I think God is amazingly awesome not to give us the blueprint. Wouldn't you like the blueprint of your life just like downloaded in a PDF? But he knows very importantly that if he gave you that blueprint, you wouldn't walk with him daily. And I think dreams are just like that. 
They have to be adjusted. They have to be tried. There has to be a faith journey that happens. If I had my way, Collide would be a cafe <laughs> serving espresso. And you know what? I'm a coffee addict and I would love it. I would love, you know, Ebenezer's Cafe has, you know, you know, Aaron, we're talking about Pastor Mark here as well. And you were there for quite some time. You know, it would be a coffee house. But God, what he really wanted to do through that process, that incubation period, is to make me realize that it has everything to do with burnout rates of pastors and burnout rates of leaders and challenging them. So, oh, the first five years was lonely years with Collide, where I tried things, things failed. I came back to my father and cried out to him again and again. But immediately after the fifth year, when we did the first Collide Summit, we called it, I thought I would never do that event again. And it happened again and again, and God bought thousands of leaders. All that to say that every journey has, every dream has this journey where you have to kind of um, try things instead of sitting on the sidelines, you know, dive in with your dreams and see what door God's opening. Uh, be very practical, you know. Uh, I don't think God was going to just come to me and show me a vision to give, you know, then it wouldn't be a journey. Then I wouldn't be walking with him in that journey, you know. Mm. And I think that is a big part of what bringing dreams to life is the journey that God has taken you on. So, Janu, I think some of our listeners might say, Janu, let me see your notebook and I'll take one of the dreams off your place because <laughs> I, I don't have any. And and just kind of from listening to you, um, you know, you're just someone that's full of life, Enneagram 8, 7, you're talking to an Enneagram 2 helper here. So um, I, I guess to the person that says, I don't really have a dream, you know, yeah. I, I mean... What would you say to that person? And maybe they don't even feel compelled to have a dream, um, but they're listening to this and, you know, they're saying, you know, do I need to have a dream? You know, how would you respond to them? Yeah, you know, I would go back to that analogy that I might be a spoon, but you might be a knife. Mm. You know, all this to say that, man, if you look at who you are as a person and what God has done for you, if you look at, you know, um, how he has created you to be a, this unique person. Did you know there is no other person like Pete Engler? I thank mean, God. thank the Lord, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there is no other person like Pete Engler. And it is where it's a critical part of our faith in, in, in Christ that God has made us uniquely who we are. It's his identity in us. And I would say to the person that is thinking that they don't have anything to definitely start looking at themselves and saying, you know, God made me with this uniqueness, this giftness, uh, gift that, it, that is in me. How can I cultivate those gifts? Now, the biggest fear that happens for people that don't take a couple of steps of faith is, is, is fear that keeps them captive. I would say start taking some steps of faith. Start talking to mentors, you know, and I think that's an important part that the journey's is not just about you. The journey involves a lot of other people. Mm. To bring one Collide Summit to life, the conference we were talking about, required 150 volunteers. So each one of them has a journey as well. So Collide, or the dream that God has given you, the dream that God wants to use you for, it's not just about you. The dream is about everyone else as well. And I think taking that step of faith and trying to understand what God has wired in you and trying to pray and seek the Lord's face and say, God, what do you want to use me for? Is absolutely critical in understanding where he's going to lead you because it has everything to do with, you know, whose life is at stake. Collide has impacted so many lives. The things that we are doing in churches impact so many lives. It's not just about you. It's about someone else's journey and how God has uh, in you know, wired you to impact someone else's life. So I would say kneeling down is a great idea, but take some practical steps as well and start cultivating those dreams to build something. Mm. Aaron, do you, do you think we're, this has been a lot. There's been a lot to, lot to <laughs> take in here and think about it. So I, I think it's a, a great conversation. I mean, dreaming is a, 
a big topic and I think we hit on a lot of good points here. Yeah, well, we're going to close with our, our question. And uh, Janu, you've been awesome. We're going to probably have to have you back on. I know that you're not a huge fan of doing podcasts, but uh, we, we love this. This is great. You, you, I think Pete, you think I'm really comfortable, but I'm like sweating here, <laughs> nervous. So I just want to say that for the person that's listening. There is, you know, even me sitting here is a step of faith, just talking. Well, we, we love it. Um, so we always close with the question, you know, what does Jesus have to say about this topic? So what does Jesus have to say about waiting on your dreams? And um, so Aaron and I will answer and then um, you get to close. So what we say is you get to clean up any heresy or uh, any false teaching. <laughs> so we'll take care of that. Hey, I'll get started. Um, so what does Jesus have to say about this topic? Um, you know, this whole podcast, I, I think there'd probably be two you know, habits that we could talk about, you know, spending time with God in prayer and knowing and using your gifts. And, you know, as a church, those are like two things that we're thinking about. And, um, you know, so Janu and Anne lived in Endicott, New York, um, same town that I did. They had this apartment that you had to walk upstairs. <laughs> and so Janu's the type of guy, you know, he goes to a bunch of us. I don't even know what grade I was in. I was an annoying like eighth grader. And Janu's like, we're just gonna fast for 24 hours. And I remember like fasting and like we all kind of struggled through it, you know, and there was a group of us there and, you know, we might've snuck a piece of bread in there, but like we- And coffee. We, yep. And coffee, we, we literally were in Janu and Ann's um, living room just praying. And, you know, I think about that experience now and, you know, I began to actually intern at the church that we were a part of, and I began to, you know, pursue pastoring. And it wasn't always this, you know, perfect kind of alignment. I, I kind of gave it up at one point. And so, you know, I, I think about our conversation and I think about prayer. You know, I know a, a person that says, hey, I drive home every once in a while and I, I, I ask God, you know, where are you? And he never answers. And I look at that specific time of fasting as a student, as crazy as it sounds, and there's a level of depth because of that just one moment. And we talk about an incubator, like, you know, I don't think people understand that whether it's a sermon, whether it's an event, whether it's just, you know, even parenting, like the thousands of hours of prayer is just never wasted. So I think what Jesus would say to us is, um, you know, the time that you take to pray is just never wasted and that God is working. And even just to, I'll close my thought with this. Most of the time we want God to change our situation. And I think with that prayer and fasting, God was changing me. So I'll throw that out there. Yeah, I think that's, I think that, thank you, Peter, for sharing that. Um, and Tanu, thank you so much for all that you shared today too is a lot to lot to think about, a lot to chew on. Um, I think Jesus, he he gives us dreams. Uh, I think he adapts our dreams over time. Um, I think at the end of the day, God knows our true name, um, and his his purpose is to well use the use the imagery of metamorphosis. But he he transit he makes us uh, into that into that name um that he has for us and uh yeah i think i think he gives us dreams and i think he adapts them i think he gives us the the means to go after them and i think hopefully one thing that can be encouraging from this podcast is that wherever you are whether you're searching for a dream or you're trying to um discern what dream the lord might have for you or maybe you're in that incubator stage and maybe it's real frustrating because there's there's storm clouds or roadblocks or just things that don't make sense, um, or you're just trying to invent that light bulb and it, you're finding out all the ways not to, the light bulb doesn't work. Um, or you're at the culmination of at least the initial part of your dream. I, I mean, I think there's, it's just encouraging to know that, that um, God cares about that. He sees that and he, and he wants to uh, continue to to build those dreams, but more importantly, build the the dream of getting closer to Him. So that's what I think. Janu, take us, clean it up now, Janu. Take us home. Uh, you know what? 
I, I, as you guys were talking, you guys just reminded me of one verse. So I, I'm actually going to let the word of God clean it up fully. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, Isaiah 43.1. I just want to leave uh, all our listeners with that. Um, and here's what it says. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I just want to leave with that. Uh, all that to say in Isaiah 43, God is kind of making it so personal and saying, hey, you are mine. And all the pieces of your life, every journey, everything that is happening, the pain, the suffering, everything that has happened in your life, I just want you to know, and this is God saying in Isaiah 43, mine, that fear not, I have redeemed you, and I'm going to pursue you because you are mine. Mm-hmm. And I just want to leave with that, saying that, hey, whoever is listening today, you're you know, thinking about dreams, taking steps of dreams. Can I just reframe the whole thing to say, Isaiah 43, verse 1, that God is in pursuit of you. And he says, you are his. Mm. What a powerful place to close. Uh, Janu, if people want to find you online, what's the best way to do that? Oh, uh, RethinkCreative.com. That's R-E-T-H-I-N-K Creative.com. And feel free to email me. It's Janu, J-I-N-U at RethinkCreative.com. Well, we are the Why God Why podcast. We respond to questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. We're brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. And you know what? For free, we'll just say we were brought to you by Rethink. And uh, if we need to, we can edit it out. But uh, Janu, thanks so much. Uh, the best way to get a hold of us is go to whygodwhypodcast.com. Click the subscribe button. You get an episode every time um, we come out with one every Thursday. So thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks.